Welcome to Disruption Blueprint with Shannon Spotswood from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help advisors grow their net worth, build their businesses, and maximize their independence. We've built an award-winning platform with innovative technology, comprehensive service, and a team of individuals who are experts in their field to serve advisors. Join us for this journey where we explore everything that has to do with running an independent advisor practice as we bring together successful advisors, industry experts, and innovative minds who are on the bleeding edge to challenge the status quo, foster new ideas, and create a path for advisors to unleash their growth potential. Now, on to the show. All right, well, welcome to what is going to be a really awesome episode of Disruption Blueprint because we are welcoming RFG's VP of Technology, Jordan Hutchison. It's so awesome to have you here. I'm stoked to be here. We're going to focus today, you know, we often share that RFG is a client experience company first, we're a technology company second, and we're a platform for independent advisors third. And the order of those when we set upon that mission seven years ago was incredibly important. We knew we wanted to be defined culturally in relationship with our advisor partners by this tremendous, you know, client service, which morphed into and evolved into client experience, but equally as important, and we say number two, is technology, because I think we have recognized that the industry is undergoing this tremendous disruptional change. And so having you fill the role of VP of technology is so incredibly important. And it's not just because of the, the amount of bench strength that you add to the team and the experience that you've had in the industry in a lot of different facets of the industry, but you actually have put your academic career kind of where we think the puck is heading, and that is in behavioral finance. So I want to start with a lot of people know this about you. They know that you're, you know, Dr. J is, uh, as we're going to coin you and call you in some exciting initiatives we're working on for the industry that you're going to, that you're going to lead. But talk to us about your academic journey, which really overlays your professional journey. Yeah, so I I started actually the academic like bug kind of came when I was in grad school at Alabama. I was teaching financial planning, personal finance there, and I really wanted to go in the industry after that. And so I got a taste of it there. Started got in the industry for quite a few years, and then actually the the whole next step of doing a doctorate in it was was a big thought. But I had taken tons of certifications, and I really wanted to go that layer deeper into it. And so actually with some conversations with some friends that have been on this podcast before, and then also there's some friends in the industry um, giving me some good feedback on it. They're like, hey, you should go for it. And so I actually looked at a ton of different schools and found one and then wanted to find a, a chair that would let me do the research I was one because I wanted to study the behavioral finance side of financial planners. And so I started to really dig deeper into finding what was passionate for me, but also what would add value to their, these advisors and would be something that people would actually care about, whereas it might not just be something I'm ex- that sounds really cool but adds no value. And since yeah. I wanted to do it while working, that's where I landed on find, like flow for advisors. And so I actually got to study financial planners and studied uh, their flow if they're having flow experiences at work. So you have a doctorate in business with an emphasis on flow for financial planners. Right. So I did all my coursework in the business side 
and then did my research specifically on financial planners and studied them as a studied flow if it's a predictor of engagement in their career. So what is flow? Let's so start there. Yeah. So flow is truly at its like core, it's being in the zone. So it's something that's intrinsically motivating, that's enjoyable with clear goals, that is a, a task or activity that you're doing. So it could be all the way from work, you can have flow experiences, or it could be all the way into uh, activities outside of work. How do you know when you're in flow? So most cases you don't know when you're actually in that exact state. It's more of a reflective, and it's because of some of the, the benefits of it. So you have this higher well-being, higher positive emotion, higher amounts of creativity. And even one of my favorites is that there's a spillover effect of being in the zone or being in the state of flow. And so you'll have more energy, more vigor in your life when you go into your home. So if you're having these flow states at work and you're having that moment where you're losing track of time, you've narrowed your focus and you're in one task or activity, truly immersed in that, you have that spillover of energy so that you have that positive emotion and that higher well-being when you go home. I don't think anyone would turn that down that has a family, a partner, anything that you have more energy and more positive emotion when you go home. So the benefit for me, it was very clear. It also, there was rooted in some of the athletic side of it because that's where it was early studied. But now that if we can have that at work, we're truly at our best, at our optimal performance, but we're also happier and more fulfilled. And what I love about that research and the application um, on RFG's tech stack and the future of our tech stack is we've had a lot of conversations about the the industries becoming more focused on defining high growth, high happiness, high profitability as this the metric of success. And that's a different lens than we've looked at in what I would call the first 30 years of our industry. Right. So talk a little bit about how you see the future advisor experience. And then I want to ask that same question about the future client experience, because there's no doubt all the research is coming out and we're seeing more and more in the, you know, the millennial, the Gen X, the Gen Y generations has a very different expectation of what it means to work with a financial advisor. Right. And so for the first question on the advisor side, I truly think that when you vote the new business, the new advisor experience is about what's purposeful to them. How are they going to be at their best? What practice do they actually want? Just because you're an advisor doesn't mean you, you want that ensemble giant enterprise one day. Maybe you want a boutique practice. Maybe you want a small team of three advisors. So really focusing on the your day to day, what's important to you, where, where are you at your best? That's the new advisor experience. It's not just focused that everyone wants to grow to this giant shop. What's the practice that truly fulfills you. And by focusing with that lens of flow and focus with that behavioral science lens, you're now getting more done because research shows that flow, that executives that they were tracking that were in the flow state, were getting double digit more work done each week. If advisors were able to get more work done, be more fulfilled, and actually do it in a shorter amount of time, I don't know what more you could ask for in a benefit to your career. So I really think with that lens, it's going to change the advisor experience where they're able to have the practice they want, do it in that time frame. If you want to work four days a week because that's the practice you want that's focused on a certain niche of clients, then you can build that. And that's by focusing on 
having the right tech to leverage that, but also focusing on what are your metrics you're tracking each day that focuses on you as an advisor. And then what about for the client? So the advisor, you know, starts to become more purposeful in how they're spending their time. Right. What does that then look like as you think about the client portal of the future and the client experience of the future? So for clients, it's now they're going to get more personalized, more custom, or make that feeling more custom of the relationship. So that advisor, now that they're not spending time doing things that are more administrative or more around tasks that are not engaging for them, they're able to spend that time with clients, which creates so many different things from a positive revenue standpoint. There's more wallet share. There's you know, more relationships out extending the relationship of the family besides that one mm-hmm. household. There's kids, there's family, there's uncles. When you have that good experience with your advisor, you're going to tell somebody about it. Yeah. When you have a raving fan because you want to share how amazing that experience has been. And so that new future client experience is someone actually discussing the things that are most purposeful to you and being able to apply all of those facets of your financial life that are beneficial to you. When you and I, you know, sit in front of a clean whiteboard and start imagining this client portal, you know, I like to say it's going to look a lot more like ShopBop and a lot less than uh, than the experience today. And a big part of, you know, what I think the transformational journey that we're going to go on as it relates to advisors being purposeful with their time and their passion, and then that translating into the next generation of the client portal is that, right now it's still, I'm landing on this portal. It's very finance heavy. I'm looking at my returns. I'm looking at, you know, I'm pulling reports that are very technical in nature. I might be playing around a little bit with my, my plan. I might be having some curated content that's being fed to me, but it's, it's not invoking an emotional experience that you get where it's like, oh, my advisor really gets me, right? right? My goals are front and center. The impact that I'm having from a charitable perspective is being celebrated. Like, I just think that there's so much room to completely deconstruct the client portal. If you were standing in front of a whiteboard today, what would that look like for you? What would be the key things if you're trying to invoke flow into a client portal experience that has this higher degree of personalization? What does that look like? Well, I don't know if I want to give all of my secrets out to, to every listener, but I will say we're definitely in that uh, transition because a lot of the portals, like you said today, are in that aspect of you. we tell them not to watch the news and not to watch CNBC because it's going to invoke some anxiety that, yes, the market is going to move up and down. And a lot of times when they're saying that it's up so many hundred points, that might not even be a percentage depending on what index. So it's still very incremental. And so we're trying to tell them not to look at it but then we want them to log into the portal. We're confusing advisors. The financial world is already confusing enough. So there's there's this large disconnect. And so when if you had a client portal that was actually in purposeful, salient to the information that you wanted to see, what is what is most important to you? What is that pertinent information that makes you feel better that am I going to be okay? Or is this enough? Whatever those questions that keep you up at night or give you anxiety when you're discussing with your partner, your spouse about that's, what's going to be revealed there. And it might not be anything to do with returns for some people. It might be one of the many categories, but for the most people, they just want to know, Hey, am I working towards the three things that are so salient and important to my family? 
are we on the right track? It might not even, it might be the amount that we're saving or the amount that we saved on taxes. What are those very, very purposeful things to you instead of a generic feeling of like, well, here's your return. Here's your account value. Oh, and by the way, here's a ticker tape coming across the screen. That's going to give you tons of anxiety. Should I be worried about that? Should I be watching that? In most cases, it's completely irrelevant because you're investing for the long term. because with longevity, you're probably going to be retired for 30 plus years. Yeah. So worrying about that, put that on the advisor and let's focus on the things that are most important to you. How important do you think it is for both an advisor and then the client to have a defined personal mission statement? How does that factor into a flow state? I like the idea of a mission statement. I think that it's uh, for certain people, it adds so much value that you have that vision or that overarching like way to filter your decisions. I think there's so many good ways that you can look at it because each of us, especially as advisors, we have different ways that we want to run our practice. We have different niches that we work in. We have different clientele and all different facets. I think if it's either a mission statement or if it's a value sort or if it's even just a conversation that you started to track those top three things to, that are significant to you and your family, whatever, however you categorize it, I think it has so much value because something like that, I always say is like a lens for your decision-making because if we use the lens that's currently in our client portal or currently being the thing that we put on the screen for our advisors, it's going to be purely the financial money, the account, the, the return, whatever it is that's on that document right now is how they're going to use their lens. It's not because a lot of times It's not going to be what's most important because a lot of times some of the decisions might not be the best financial decision, but it adds so much more value to you as a human. Mm -hmm. And the easiest example that we've, that I've heard actually from multiple friends is, is it better to pay off my house with this low interest rate? Well, from a financial perspective, that's absolutely not true. It's not a good choice because your interest rates, you know, if you bought a house prior to the last couple of years, it's, it's probably insanely historically low. But if it gives you more peace of mind, mm-hmm. you don't have a mortgage over your head, you don't, you're not making that payment, then do it. Right. And that's the kind of decision that you'll be able to make when you're able to look at maybe debt because of some past conversations or money scripts in their life, money messages that have landed with them. They're just terrified of having that right. anxiety. And even though we as financial planners know that you're going to be fine. And like, Hey, look, see how much money you're making you and your spouse, your partner, you're going to do great. Like you're fine. You can always pay this mortgage, but inside they're like, you know what? It keeps me up at night. I'm thinking about it when I'm at my kid's soccer game. Well, if that's impacting your whole life, let's get rid of it. And let's, let's get on a path. Let's double up those payments or let's focus on that or whatever the steps are. That's where you can start to have that conversation of what's more important to you as a human and less of, Here's just the technical to say. How challenging do you think it will be for financial advisors to evolve professionally from where we are today, where their superpower is being a financial advisor, being a financial planner, being very you know gifted with numbers to what the industry is basically telling them and clients are telling them they need to become, which is a life coach. Right. I, I think that it's going to be a journey for some. But I think the ones that are really wanting to lean into that, because I don't know how many interviews that are um, interviews of advisors that I've coached or trained or worked with 
where they've said, you know, sometimes I feel like a therapist. Right. And not in the technical sense, but they've just heard this like conversations of, I mean, I've even had couples where they just come in and it sounds like they're yelling, but that's just the way they communicate. And they just got it off their chest of all the things they've been meaning to talk with, but you gave them the safe space to converse about that. And now they're like, oh, this has been so great. We've actually talked about this because you know what? We've been, I've got my job. She's got her job. Like we're moving all over the place and we just haven't made the time. And so I think advisors, some will lean in and will knock it out of the park because they know that technology coming into this industry at a rapid pace, especially with AI, Mm -hmm. that now that's going to leverage your time. Right. So even more now, you can get into a flow state. You can get into whatever ability time spent with your clients because you're using that technology to leverage it to do those tasks that you used to have to do, quote, manually. Mm -hmm. And now you can spend time with your clients. And so I think that it's going to be hard for some, but I think a lot of advisors are leaning into it. I think it's an education thing where the CFP became a gold standard in many cases. It's one of those education that you got to start learning. You got to start practicing because like anything, you don't go to the gym once and get the shredded in shape body or whatever body type you want. It takes reps. Don't we all want shredded in shape? (laughs) I mean, a little bit. but it's one of those that you you have to get the reps in. And I think the best way is to jump right in, to start educating yourself. But also, if you have the support of your advisor portal that's focusing on those things, and then the industry is building that, you're going to fall right in. One of the traits that I think is going to be most challenging for advisors, and I certainly know this is something that I have to really work on personally, is this notion that we have you know, two sides to our brain. We have the analytical side to our brain and we have the emotional side to our brain. And it's very difficult when we're in problem solving mode to toggle over and like key into the more emotional side of our brain. And so financial advisors are hardwired problem solvers. And oftentimes, you know, and I think this is part of the reason why the research continues to indicate that women in the event of death and divorce leave their financial advisor because they haven't felt heard. They haven't had an emotional connection. So what are some skills that you've helped advisors train to be able to do that toggle between, Oh wait, we're not problem solving right now. I need to be over here in the EQ side of the house, really empathetically listening. So I, I look at it in some ways, like it's a toggle that you have to move from that, heavy, heavy technical side to also that side of where you're really going to be the sounding partner or you're going to just be present because sometimes the best thing to do is you just showed up. Yeah. It, that's even from like being a family member, a parent, it might not have to do with anything that you're saying to that person. You just need to be there for them. People want to feel heard. And that's one of the greatest things as humans that we want. But one thing to like a takeaway that I always recommend to advisors is If you're in that life event or life transition with one of your clients, sometimes it's just walking into that meeting and be curious. Yeah. And so it's be curious for them, not for yourself necessarily, but be curious for them for the aspect that now you're just going to be there to listen, be curious of why they feel like this, why this emotion is taking over their decision-making. Because a lot of times we come in with our preconceived beliefs or like, hey, I've made this transaction. I've rolled over... 900 IRAs before I've done this many Roth conversions. We're good. 
However, with this person, it's going to be wildly different. Like every single person, the technical side, Hey, you, you, you can do it in your sleep. You're great at it. However, we've now got to deal with this thing called humans and there's tons of money messages from their past, maybe their career. There's some pressures now from a life event of maybe, you know, a parent passed, or maybe they're, they've got a kid that's going to college, all these things that now they're, there's new facets to the decision-making that they're like, well, I don't know if I can do this because I need to be able to do this. So I would say one easy takeaway was just walk into that meeting with no preconceived beliefs and just be curious for them. And I honestly have no idea who came with this, but uh, I think it's one of the greatest, but it's just wait, why am I talking? And a lot of times it's just think that to yourself. Am I talking to brag about my ability or my skill? And you probably need to be quiet and just give them the space to talk about because they came there for, for you as a trusted advisor. So just listen. So I think that's an easy takeaway for, uh, for advisors to walk into a client meeting. It's funny how um, it, it's so basic. Like how do you not you know, mismanage your time, waste it on non-revenue generating activities? How do you not come into a meeting with just your agenda and have empathy and active listening skills, you know, allow that to, to really shine. So why do you think that, you know, we're seeing in the data, you know, advisors are still spending 80% of their time on non-revenue generating activities. And we're still seeing right. the next gen and women saying that they're not connecting with their advisors. Like, why are these such hard skills to learn? Well, and it's, it's hard. And it's one of those things that it's scary because, one of the benefits of our industry is a lot of people come into our industry as a career changer. So the, the career changer comes into the industry in their late thirties, early forties, they might've been married, currently married, taking care of parents, all these things that they've gone through school. They might not have gone through school, all these different things. They might've lost a job, started a job. Having this life experience adds a lot of value, but it's still very scary. And I'd say that the education and academic world is catching up and it's, it's, trying to see that there's a huge gap in that resource and ability to lean into that. But it's really scary because that's where it goes right back that, you know, let's move away from the client experience and even move back to the client experience is really the ability of the advisor adds such so much value. And it's because the advisor might not have ever gone through that. I remember years ago in my, when I was an advisor and I went through my first divorce with a client, it was one of the hardest things because I was in my late twenties and I've never been divorced. I've never been divorced. I right. actually hadn't even been married right. yet. And so going through that, I didn't know what was going to experience. I was yeah. just kind of deer in the headlights trying to be supportive for her because she was the breadwinner. She was the doctor. She was the one that had it all. But this life event happened and threw things for a curveball. And so I leaned into it. I probably made a ton of mistakes. But that's okay because I was there and I was present and I leaned in that situation. I think that's what's so hard is it's very scary because it's even scary for ourselves. And so it's a whole new field of education, a whole new way to leverage your technology too because now we've gained so much value by having all of these resources where years ago they had to call you to get you know, the pricing of right. <laughs> IBM or whatever company. Well, now everything is fully accessible. There's, you could almost get some kind of plans, like a very core basic level built 
that um, from your own consumer aspect. So you're scared in what that like value you bring Mm -hmm. and truly that value you bring is that ability, that creativity, the arts and science of financial planning. Now you can see where the human interacts with their financial plan. That's really where that makes the secret sauce for advisors because now they're leaning in where they can spend time and understand the client, but also understand all of that heavy technical side. That's something that a computer can't do. But if yeah. you have both of those pieces, and so it's scary. They just need to lean into it. As you peer over the hill and you think about what's on the other side for the industry, we've all seen and appreciate um, Kitsis, you know, tech map. Um, you've witnessed it firsthand. You know, sure. it'll make your kind of head explode at the number of choices. What do you think the industry looks like three years from now? I think that the industry will, we move, we, I wouldn't say we move at a glacier pace, but um, I think that we move slower than many industries, but I truly think that it's going to be some consolidation in certain products because like so many things, when ETFs became a thing, there were hundreds and hundreds of ETFs and then it consolidated to the ones that were, you know, doing certain strategies or, you know, held their space in the, um, in the industry. But I think from like a tech perspective, it's really going to lean in on, there's going to be certain all-in-one solutions but there's going to be ones that you have the ability to educate yourself, but also give yourself tons of leverage. Mm-hmm. And so I know I've said this a couple times already, but I'm very passionate about the aspect that that's really where technology is going to help us become better planners from the aspect of when we have AI and truly using AI, that it's going to make us better and more comprehensive so that all of that tech side is just going to be part of our business and truly the financial planning piece is us taking all this data and more orchestrating it mm-hmm. and finding how it's applicable to our client's specific situation. And so now you have all these beautiful resources, all these recommendations, next best, next best actions, whatever you want to call them. But now you get to make the choice and you get to converse with the client, spend that quality time with them. And I think that's where technology is going to do is it's going to leverage all those abilities so that you can spend more time with them to be able to make that custom decision for them. I want to switch gears a little bit to fear. Uh, It's the number one reason why advisors hesitate to go independent to make a transition. Talk to us about the psychology of fear. Well, that's a, that's a tough one. (laughs) So on the fear of going independent is such a big decision for advisors because it takes into so many different things. I think that in, you know, from an outside or external perspective that someone that's not an advisor, they think it's, oh, this, it's a quick switch, whatever, you're changing companies, I've changed jobs before, or whatever, you know, all those different things. But I think that fear is rooted in so much uncertainty yeah. that they just don't know what it's like on the other side. And I think that breaking things down into small incremental pieces to make that shift is what truly makes it attainable. And I think giving some clarity to that as humans, we can't stand uncertainty. Like the fact that something is uncertain, we would almost choose a negative over uncertain. And in many situations, there's actually research that shows that, which just blows my mind that you would choose a negative option or choice over something that was just uncertain. But that's how much we fear it. And so I think that the the psychology of fear with that transaction 
is something that I've actually talked to many advisors about and actually talked to one um, here recently in our own office that they were uncertain about. They've had a firm that they've got there, but they just feel like that firm's not going to take them to the next level. And they wanted to go through the conversation. And I told them, I said, look, the first conversation, you, you've seen all this that's going to change your practice and what we could do for you. Now go have that conversation with your partner and see what she has to say about like this whole shift and everything like that. And I said, because at the end of the day, we've got you over here. We're going to break it all down for you. And I think that's one of the biggest things from the psychology is that it looks uncertain, but when you have a playbook or something organized for those next steps, it really gives clarity to it. And then you have to give some faith. Some of it is, you know, what's the right choice and you have to feel comfortable pulling that rip cord and making that decision because you know what's best for you. I love that proverb of leap and a net will appear. It's so true. And uh, literally, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't make that leap yeah. and accept a job to Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm currently based. And that was all to leave my current firm where I was at to go to a new one that I didn't know a single person. And I took that leap of faith and I'm so happy I made that choice. So happy it led so. you here. And it did. And of course, all things lead back to Alabama, right? Uh, so. Heck yeah. <laughs> heck yeah, it does. Okay, last question on leadership, because, you know, not only do you have this tremendous technical expertise around the application of behavioral finance into a financial advisor's um practice and then being able to see that whole thing through a technological lens. You also have done a tremendous amount of study around leadership and high-performing teams. You've made an immediate impact in your first you know, 60 days at, at RFG from a leadership perspective. What do you think are like, if, if, if you were asked the question, I think leadership is something that advisors struggle with. Like they really love helping their clients, but they have a difficult time leading their teams. What are three things that people can do to level up from a leadership perspective? So that's, and that's hard from an advisor side. I think that's, I've seen that so much that advisors, we start off in the industry as a planner and we grow in our book of business and that's what we are. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you've got to hire somebody to help scale to the next level or to grow your assets even more. So you get to that point where now I'm becoming a leader and less of a planner. And sometimes that might not be where you want to go. And that, and that's okay. Cause then you might, there might be a better choice to partner up with somebody that has those skill sets if you're not willing to learn it. But I think some, some, uh, some good takeaways when you're wanting to go into that leadership is whenever I, I always want to be the dumbest guy in the room. Like I love hiring people that are extremely smart and are very hungry to Me learn too. more. I, <laughs> I, I have no fear in that. I have a lot of self-confidence and I think that that is rooted in that I have no problem hiring someone that's extremely intelligent. So I, I think that when you're hiring somebody, I think hiring for character instead of just a specific skill set mm-hmm. is so important. And so for me, I love hiring intelligent, hungry people that are just very curious and wanting to learn more. So I think the hiring is one takeaway that's just so important. It's always worth spending time on to find somebody that's very intrinsically motivated. Another one I would say, uh, number two on that would be autonomy. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that autonomy and ownership and giving people that feeling of owning a project, you're giving them that almost a fear that they're like, well, I don't want to let you down. Right. And they don't want to let down the rest of leadership or they want to let down their team. I look at it in the same way of when you're playing sports, being a basketball player, that 
if I was tasked that this is what I can, I'm on the team to do, then I'm going to do it my best because everyone's dependent on me. Right. And so I'm a firm believer in providing autonomy and ownership so that people feel like they're really contributing to the team. And also fun fact, autonomy is one of the biggest contributors to flow. Yeah. So people that have autonomy are able to get into that state of flow. And so for that last one, I would definitely say, and I think this speaks to a lot of the way you lead too, is the transparency and communication. You could call it transparency, communication, radical candor. Um, However it is, I will, it's okay to have those difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, and I'll steal this quote because it's one of my favorites from Brene Brown, but clarity is kind. Yep. And I honestly say that clarity is kind because you need to be clear with difficult conversations they're not going to happen every day. If they are, then something's going on. You might want (laughs) to take a reflection and figure out what's happening upstream, but it's so important to have those and to be clear, clear expectations, clear goals, clear milestones, all those things Mm -hmm. create so much of, like we talked about removing that uncertainty, because if you don't know where you stand with someone, I don't know what my goals are for these 90 days. I literally had a one-on-one today with one of my hires and they said, so for my nine days, we're still on this and this is the milestones. I said, absolutely. Yep. And that made them feel very comfortable that they're like, all right, I know where I stand. Yep. I know what I need to accomplish. And this is the expectations he has for me. And they said that that makes them feel so valuable and just so, uh, so much ability in the team because they know where they are and where they stand. So that third one, I would definitely would say is having that transparency and clarity. Incredible, incredible advice. Well, Jordan, I can't wait to build RFG 3.0 with you, the advice tech stack. Let's do it. Uh, We got data warehouses and data lakes and really envisioning what the future of the industry is going to look like. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to be a little busy, but we're going to have a lot of fun. I look forward to it though. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Disruption Blueprint podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rfgadvisory.com or schedule a call on our advisor resources page. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific training strategy. Information here may be provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable. However, neither our guests nor RFG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest. They do not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, its employees, or its clients. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, LLC, RFG Advisory or RFG, a registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG advisory is an SEC-registered investment advisor.
SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.